Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfund.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter, at Wide Jump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. Welcome back. It is the all-star break, but you know us here. We don't take breaks. No Wide Men breaks. No breaks ever. We don't do them. We don't have them. Joining me, as always, Mr. No Days Off from the North of the border, the great white north, Tim Dombrova. Shovel in the morning, shovel in the evening. I'm taking snow it snowy up coming there. Down. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not too bad today. Um, beautiful day in the great white north, as always, and... Uh, Quite a quite a week in uh, basketball, mate. Let's, let's get right into it. No, let's do that. Let's take a look at the, the All Star break. We've um, we talked about it um, off the air a little bit. We'll start with the. Well, I guess we'll we'll mention the celebrity game. I have no idea about anything in the, that happened in the celebrity game because I did not watch the celebrity game. Because once I looked at the list of the celebrities playing. I did not know who many of them were, so I decided, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna skip that, I'm gonna skip it. So that's what happened. Very much, I believe, and no knock on the celebrities. Uh, for me, anyway, because of my age and my uh, no knowledge of the uh, rap or music scene in that part of the world, I think most of the people came from that. You know, they were from that demographic at the very least. I just don't know who they are, but I'm sure a lot of fans did. So whatever. I'm 29 years old at the time we record this, Tim. I'll be 30 in a few weeks. I have no idea who most of them are. I mean, but who are they going to get? I mean, like you can't really expect, you know, you know, Betty White to be on the celebrity team. You know, I mean, it's probably not going to happen. You know, so. at her age, you never know. You never know. Well, I'm not saying she couldn't do it. I'm just saying that's, you know, you're aiming at a pretty thin golden girls and men over 85 demographic there. And that's probably not the best. And that's not what they're trying to accomplish with the celebrity game. So it is what no. it is. Yeah, it kind of is what it is. It was, uh, it was interesting. 
Um, but I, like I said, I didn't really watch it. Didn't really pay that much attention to it. Um, I didn't even watch the, the rising stars game that much. Um, mainly because I, I think that I had my son that night. So I was in bed kind of early and I think I, I had a, uh, I did, I was calling a game for the local radio station. So I was a little tied up. So I didn't get to see that. Um, and then I, I did catch, uh, a lot of the, the Saturday stuff. Let's let's start first with the uh, the skills challenge, which was won by a guy neither of us picked to win. Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat wins the skills competition. Uh, the bigs are starting to show up at the skills competition, which is really becoming uh, quite the surprise that they're able to do that. And um, you know, big guys dribbling, passing, shooting, dunking, and they're starting to really they're pulling away with these competitions. All right, but who who else was in it though? Uh, Demontis Sabonis was in it. He was in the finals. There was uh, there was some guard play in it as well. Um, forgive me, I don't have the list in front of me of everybody yeah, who was in yeah, it. Yeah, I I don't know because I I have to be, I have to be honest. I I watched none of it. So uh, the NBA Skills Challenge this year. Give me just a second, and I'll get you the the list of names that were in it. Um, let's see here. Let's get to the 20, 2020 here. Okay. Spencer Dinwiddie, Patrick Beverly, Bam Adebayo, Pascal Siakam, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis. They did it in the tournament style. Uh, first round, Spencer Dinwiddie, the guard, lost to the big, Bam Adebayo. Second, or next matchup in the, for, the first round, Patrick Beverly lost to Pascal Siakam. And then the third match, Chris Middleton beat Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then Sabonis beat Jason Tatum. All the bigs won the first matchups. Then Bam Adebayo beat Pascal Siakam. Sabonis beats Middleton. The two bigger guys win again. And the two biggest guys in the competition meet in the finals with Bam Adebayo being the winner. Surprising, if you ask me. Yeah, maybe Jimmy Butler spread some money out. Yeah. He probably made Bam Adebayo practice a lot harder for it, not to embarrass him, or some, something oh, stupid like that. But can't rule that out. But uh, um, yeah. but then the dunk, the dunk contest, or excuse me, not the dunk contest. We'll get to the dunk contest in a minute. Three point shootout. Uh, Buddy Hield gets the win. Neither you or I picked him to win it uh, either. And Hield yeah. gets the win on the last the last shot from the the big money line. He gets the W there. Big win for him. Um, you know, again, you know, the three-point shootout's always fun. It's always enjoyable, I think. Well, and he is at least, uh, uh, statistically anyway, is, uh, I believe, third or fourth in the league, I want to say. So him winning, yeah. it's not a to- him winning, it's not a total shock or anything. Yeah, he's, he's quite the, uh, he's quite a good, um, he's quite a good, three-point shooter most of the time. But he just, it just didn't happen for him uh, during the season this year. He's had kind of a rough season, but he was able to pull it off at the All-Star game. So good for him. Mm-hmm. My kickstart his year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's look at the one that had everybody talking the next morning. The dunk contest. The absolute dunk contest. The Aaron Gordon Derek Jones Jr. Uh, finale, and uh, a lot of people 
were were talking about how they felt Aaron Gordon was robbed yet again. What say you? Well, first of all, it's all purely a matter of opinion. Of course. There is no, there is no checklist that you can go, you know, right? Well, you know, we measured. He jumped 0.2 centimeters higher than the other guy. Or, oh, sorry for you Americans. Uh, an inch higher than the other guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that Dwayne Wade kind of muffed his vote maybe a little bit with score, but in the well, same the rumor. The rumor well, was he he was the one who only gave it a nine, correct? Well, there was three guys that gave the last dunk a nine. The rumor was they wanted both guys to tie again, so they could go another round. And, and, and apparently, yeah, and apparently that was uh, so they forgot somebody messed up and gave too many nine. There was too many nines passed okay, around. Well, then if that's the case, then I feel sorry for Aaron Garden for not winning. Although I don't think that's really it's not that big a deal. And if they tried to rig it to get another, then that's what they deserve for trying to rig it. In my opinion, should have just let yeah. it be. And, you know, when you start fooling with things, that's what happens. And should have just left it alone. Yeah. Um, I felt Aaron Gordon probably should have won it. Um, I felt more that he should have won this one than he should have won the one with Zach Levine a few years back in 2016. But Aaron Gordon's going to go down as probably a, a top five dunker in dunk contests, and he's never won a dunk contest, okay, but which didn't, is insane. Didn't, didn't you feel, though, that when you watched it originally, you weren't so sure, and then on a replay or two, then you kind of swung your, your opinion? Yeah. Went the, well, went the other way, so... I, I did, Um but the judges have that ability too. They can tell you. Okay, but they, um, they my, have the ability my, to see to see the replay. Right, but this is my point. It's the dunk competition. It's not a selection for mayor or something. I mean, it's just part of an All Star weekend. Is it really that big a whoop? I mean, okay, did he get jobbed? Probably. But is it really that big a deal? Like people, you, you would have thought they got jobbed out of the title or something. The way people. Well. Were. They had they had nothing else really that they could could argue truthfully. I guess because it was I mean, a slow weekend. I mean, nobody had really done anything, so I don't know. Okay, I mean, what was dumber, that or the next thing that we're probably going to talk about? Well, I you know, we'll we'll see what your thoughts are on it, and then I'll share mine. Let's get to it. Uh, the All Star Game itself. Um, new format this year, completely brand new format, and a lot of people loved it. A lot of people loved it. Go ahead and give me your thoughts, and then I'll give you my thoughts. How about that? Well, the game itself was fine. I mean, it's the first one in memory that I can remember where the guys were actually trying. I mean, I saw guys out there. I saw Joel Embiid. He had a bigger sweat on during that game than he does in some regular season games. Yeah, um, he was sweating like he was playing with Ben Simmons I mean, next to him. I mean, they put. The, uh, I mean, the referees probably had a heart attack because they were actually called on to do something. 
I mean, there was some. <laughs> I mean, there was some defending going on in that game, which you don't normally see. Guys were getting fouled. There was some yeah. bit of heat. There was a little bit of heat. There was a whole lot of. I mean, LeBron going crazy on calls, uh, challenges. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever think? Yeah, he, he coaches it? challenges, and then yeah, I mean, did you ever coaches think making decisions. Yeah, yeah, coaches I mean, making was... decisions that were kind of surprising, uh, rotations, playing minutes. I know. Yeah, uh, I mean, for, for all of that, it was great. The only thing that sucked was the ending because I guess, you know, in re- you know, the retrospect, after having a few days to think about it, who would have thunk that that's how it would end? I mean, if it would have ended on a two or a three, that would have been great. That yeah. would have capped an absolutely unbelievable all-Star game, the best one that in my memory that I can remember. I'm sure there's been some other ones that were good, but I don't remember any as good as this one. Um, yeah, this was probably the best All-Star game uh, I mean, was, in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, it was a really – it was a – if you didn't know, if you were not a fan or knew nothing about basketball and they you just turned that on, you would have thought it was a normal well, – this is a regular game. This is like yeah, compared to like if you watch the Pro Bowl or uh, yeah, uh, the NHL doesn't even. I mean, they go three on three now. They don't even play a regular game. Uh, yeah, you know, baseball. The baseball All Star game is is pretty boring too. Um, I mean, they definitely up the ante as far as Major League Sports All Star games go. I mean, it was a, it yeah, was a and win. It I think them win. putting the money on the line for the charity was a pretty cool idea too. I think uh, Team LeBron's team um, got $300,000 for the charity they chose. Something like that, yeah. And now I see, I just read an article, uh, actually just only posted like 15 minutes before showtime, that uh, they expect that uh, this is going to, this will continue next year. Well, Tim, let me ask you this. We see the new format, um, we the NBA has adopted what's known as the Elam ending. Um, in case anybody didn't know, that's what the ending of the game is called now. The doing away with the clock, setting a target score, and you have to reach that target score. Do you like the Elam ending here in the All Star game? Did you like it? I, I did, except for the fact that it they have to fix the ending somehow. You can't have a game ending on free throws. Okay. Just but that's if you it, had, but, so you would rate it, you would rate it just in the first incarnation of you seeing it. What, what would you get it? Scale one to 10 here, Meltzer. What oh, would you rate oh, it? Oh, it, it gets a, it gets a good eight and a half or nine. I mean, the game, I mean, it made the game significantly better, which was the whole point. Okay. Oh, I thought All right. So, so what if I told you that, Maybe there's a way that we could uh, update it. Since the new format, everyone seems to like it. Everyone's a fan of it. Um, um, what do you, What do you say? Let, let's Let's say this. I'm just go ahead and, and let the cat out of the bag. Uh, on next week's show here on Wide Men Can't Jump, Tim and I will be sitting down and having a conversation with. You've heard the. It's called the Elam ending. We're going to be talking to Nick Elam, the man from the professor from Ball State University who developed this system, who developed this ending in 2007. Well, and we're going to talk to him about it. I mean, maybe there's tweaking that can be done. Somebody would have to – I would have to see some, some statistics. And they probably will do this because they're not dumb. 
Uh, somebody's probably going to have to run, uh, you know, okay, what would have happened if we would have done this? Uh, let's run the last season, let's say. Let's run every game we played last season up until the third quarter. And what would have happened if we would have went with the target score? Um, next off, and I suppose Nick might be able to answer this next week, what's the target score? How do we come up with that? Is it the same for every game? Um, it... It's not. I, I can actually, uh, I can actually like, answer okay, well, that don't. for you. Okay, well, don't, don't, though, because we want him to. Um, that well, would be, no, that they, would... they, they, this is how they went by it for um, the All-Star game. It was whoever... It was determined by adding 24 points to the leading team score after three quarters of play. So basically, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't mean that way. I mean, where did uh, what? What's the 24 number going to be? Is it always going to oh, be okay. 24? You know, is it going to be 10? Is it going to be 50? Is it going to be like how do you come up with that number? Okay. I mean, they, the, All right. the league, yeah, the league took the 24 because of the Kobe thing. But how? What? What would it be? Um, for a regular game. Like is you know what's the number? Okay, well according, uh, well we'll we'll just run that by Nick because I've read yeah, a couple well, things, but we'll go ahead and get the get the I'm answer curious, from him. Curious about that, but like from what I understand, the idea was, and without getting into it too much, um, somebody you know, I would, actually I won't go down that road because we'll let him explain that. My 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 worry was, or not worry, but concern was, okay, how well does this work in blowouts? And how well does it work in real close games? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see. So uh, next week, Nick Elam will be on the show discussing but, the the Elam ending. So yeah, I'm looking I, forward to I, that. I, yeah, I got questions, but I'm sure, like I said, I mean, the man is a uh, professor at Ball State. I'm pretty sure he's going to have some answers. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing him, so that should be fun. But uh, all right, um, it was interesting, the All-Star game, how it ended. 157 to 155, the final. If you add it all up, if you add each individual number up together, it equals 24. If you subtract 155 and 157, you subtract 155 from 157, you get two, 24 and two. So I thought that was kind of yeah, neat. And, uh, and now, did, did, you th- did you think that Anthony Davis bricked the first free throw? I don't think he did. I really don't. I don't think he missed the um, Maybe he did, uh, but I didn't, in, I didn't think he did. I'm, I'm kind of halfway on the matter because it looked to me like not – okay, now granted, I have not watched as much basketball as you and a lot of people because I'm still pretty new to this stuff. When he let that thing go, I immediately says that one – I immediately said that one doesn't have a hope, which made me think that maybe he put a little extra mustard on that first one. <laughs> Just No, maybe he did. It's a possibility. Although I would have thought if they really were going to rig it, they'd have uh, figured out a way to get LeBron to have that last shot. Yeah, perhaps. Well, you never know. And uh, but I think you know that that'll pretty much that's how we look at the All Star game. Um, anything can else you say- want to mention about yeah, the All Star we- weekend? No, but can we seg that segue that LeBron statement into the next thing? Sure, go ahead. That uh, LeBron's comments about Major League Baseball. Well, let's get in touch on it. Let's let's get there. Let, let's talk your, about it here. Your, your your thoughts are. Well, for those that don't know, hold on. Let's uh, 
let's just go ahead and get it out there. LeBron had some Le, LeBron lately has been kind of uh, outspoken on everything. Um <laughs> you know, so let's let's take a look at what LeBron said here. Um the report was LeBron said Listen, I don't play baseball, but I am in sports, and I know if someone cheated me out of winning the title and I found out about it, I would be fucking irate. I mean, like, uncontrollable about what I would would slash could do. Listen here, baseball commissioner. Listen to, hold on, next tweet, your player speaking today about how disgusted, mad. Uh, hold on, I'm getting a phone call at the moment. Mad, hurt, broken, etc. They are about this. Literally, <laughs> LeBron. The ball, yeah, LeBron calling to shut me up. Is in your court, or should I say field? And you need to fix this for the sake of sports. Just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie, regardless of my sport. IP, IP, I say, or IPIAY. Oh, okay. Uh, sport I play. Right, I'm sorry. Right. Sport I sport I play. I'm sorry. I couldn't read the All hashtag. Right. Okay, so that's what LeBron had to say. Uh, my thoughts are, you know, you're free to say what you will. You can say what you want. That's the beauty of uh, America. But if you're LeBron, do should you go down that road? I don't think you should because if there's anything now remotely, and I mean even remotely, comes out about basketball, even we have another Tim Donahue incident where you got, you know, a lot of scandals or, or anything. Uh, you're opening the NBA up now to fire, and people will not pull punches. They won't say, well, the NBA this, the NBA that. Um, you're opening the door, and I think LeBron needs to just kind of, to quote a great uh, a great champion of wrestling, Casey King, just needs to stay in his lane. <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, yeah, I, I kind of thought, all right, is he wrong? Uh, well, even that's debatable, I guess, because I'm – a lot of opinions about the whole baseball scandal, and I don't even want to think about going there. But I, I just flip it around and go, uh, you know, does does basketball want uh, Mike Trout or Aaron Judge or whoever else is the big names in, in baseball to be spouting off about basketball's problems? Probably not. Um and basketball does still have some problems. It's not the perfect sport. Uh, a lot of a lot of issues, bad attendance, a couple other things going on here and there. Sketchy refereeing, guys flopping. Basketball's got its own worries, and LeBron probably ought to, as you said, stay in his lane. Yeah, and I mean, if I'm baseball and you see LeBron saying things like that, you know what I would think about doing, possibly Tim. I don't know. What would you think about doing that? Maybe Sue. Maybe sue for slander. Well, I mean, but if I, mean, I was I, gonna I, sue, if I was the commissioner of baseball, I I probably wouldn't have any problem replying to that tweet and saying, "With all due respect, sir, you worry about your part of the world, and I'll worry about mine." Um, it's just it's just not a good look, and he took. He actually took quite a bit of heat for it on social media, and it kind of the story kind of disappeared uh, not long after he first said it. So uh, it, it just it, it's not a good look, and it doesn't help anybody. It makes him look like a whiner, even if he's right. Um, yeah, it's not it's not going to change anything because 
Major League Baseball is going to do whatever Major League Baseball is going to do, regardless of what LeBron James has to say about anything. So it's kind of a kind of a, it just makes no sense. Really, I'll tell but. you this. I'll tell you this. I'm not a baseball fan. People on here know I'm not a baseball fan. If you listen to the show, sorry. Uh, once basketball goes away, I switch over and just try to watch replays of Olympic curling. Um, I'll say this. I'm interested to see how many times Astros players get beamed this season. <laughs> um, I think we're going to have to keep an eye on that statistic. Well, they've uh, been they've been well not to get because we don't want to get it. They've been warned not to. The guys, okay. commissioners are, the commissioners already come out and said anybody throws beanballs at those guys, there's going to be punishment. That's what's got everybody so riled up. Is that okay? They're I didn't want to get into it, but I'm going to get into it. Uh, other people in the past have been punished ridiculous amounts, uh, i.e. Yeah. Pete Rose, et cetera, et cetera. Now, these guys, they didn't get any punishment, the players. They really time. didn't. Yeah, except that uh, I didn't want to get into it, but now I will. The part, the real problem there is uh, the, the Major League Baseball gave the players immunity for testifying against mm-hmm. own, ownership and management. Okay, who, yeah. who you know who, uh, who uh, what's the word, brokered that deal? The Major League Baseball Players Association. So yeah. if the players are so if the players are mad that the Astro players didn't get punished, it was their own union that did it. So maybe maybe the anger doesn't really need to be at the or at least as much heat at the commissioner of baseball as it does to, at their own union, who kind of sold ninety five percent of the membership down the river for five percent of the membership. If you follow. Yeah, I, I do, but. uh Again, anyway. there could be lawsuits everywhere, and you know what? Oh, well, if you need to sue, there you, you go. need you need to call <laughs> Stephen P. New, the great leader of News Army. That's right, the New Army, New Law Office. Check them out online at newlawoffice.com. dot com, and uh, don't go for some lawyer. Don't go for somebody old. Call Stephen P. New. Where new is for you, and you will need to check it out. Let's hear some more from Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304 304- 362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New answers to your legal questions. Don't call old lawyers. Call new ones. Stephen P. New Law Office is a Stephen P. New New Law Office. Also, com. also yes. Nate, now, uh, Stephen P. New now featuring a lady lawyer. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if, it's Miss, if it's Miss Taylor, Mrs. Taylor, Ms. Taylor. I'm not sure. Apologize for whichever of those it isn't. But boy, I have to admit, Nate, I would love nothing better to sit in a court and watch a woman eviscerate a guy like G Raver. Oh, God, would I love that. <laughs> oh, be nice to Brandon. 
All right. Anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway. Oh, you know what? We love to laugh here on the show. We love having a good time. Uh, you probably noticed no top ten this week. Kind of hard to have a top ten during the All Star break, as there's just I don't know. There's just oh that's oh that's now pull back the curtain. Let's just call it what it was. Tim didn't do one because he was too damn lazy. Let's just be honest and call it what it was. Well, it's not that you were lazy. It's also the fact that. You know, you and I, real life happens. Uh, I've got a slew of exams coming up here within the next uh, week. And uh, I had my son this weekend. He's staying with me tomorrow night. So, you know, real life gets in the way sometimes, and sometimes we miss out on the top ten. And we're sorry for that. Uh, One thing I do want to do, though, uh, before we move on here, so we that we are apologizing for the top ten not being here this week. We will have one, I'm sure, next week. The Bogsies have also been delayed. We are sorry uh, due to the the craziness. Um, maybe well, Tim, let let's put an aim on let's put an aim on the March fourth for the, the Bogsies. I'm on the, I'm on the spring Bogsies, break that week. Uh, so the Bogsies were going to happen, but then uh, the host Harvey Weinstein was uh, called away. Yes, well, you know. Uh, alleged charges, but we'll we'll get back to that. Uh, anyway, um, a lot of stuff going on though here, real life man behind the scenes. Uh, we do thank although, all our great. Although, Nate, now that you say yes. that, I I could though I could do one thing quickly. What's that? In re- in regards to the boxes. Okay. Because we do we do know that there is an award for perseverance in. A sports uh, major motion picture or a job. We do know yes. there's a bug for that, and we do know that the nominees are Nate Bush, <laughs> James Harden, yes, I, Tom Robinson, and Jim Cornette. We do know this. We do know that. Yes, much. that that was revealed in a conference call last week. So, uh, well, you know, I never would have thought that there would be as much uh, having to deal with lawyers and getting things cleared, and it's ridiculous. No wonder it's a those, lot. Uh, yeah, no wonder those uh, those uh, award shows are so boring because everybody's just wore out by the time they get around to actually giving out the award. Nobody cares. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, anyway. but we'll we'll get to that. Um, I also want to bring up one thing, Tim. Um, and this is not to toot Tim Tim and I's horn. Um, my mother is a school teacher here in West Virginia. We have uh, she is over the local food pantry. At the school, Tim and I, uh, from the Wide Men Can't Jump podcast, and you guys make this possible, and we thank you for it. Without our great sponsors, without everyone chipping in and being a part of of this, uh, we made a a financial contribution to the local food pantry here with Logan Middle School, and uh, we were happy to do that in the name of Wide Men Can't Jump. So if, if you have anybody around you know a local food bank food pantry that helps kids i know this goes to the kids in the local area that maybe don't have enough food at home they only get maybe one meal a day and that's at school this is to help them out so um you know hey if you and and we're always looking for donations if you can do you know monetary or or anything anything non-perishable um i know the the food pantry down here will definitely uh will definitely there's, take you up on it and it goes to it goes to great stuff too as well. There's so. there's never there's just never enough. Um No. It's just it's just a sad fact of life and, and 
Uh, we won't even get into the hows or the whys because none of that really matters. The fact is, is there are kids who, through no fault of theirs, aren't getting to eat enough. And because we're wide men can't jump. Yes. We do know that the vast majority of the people who listen to this program, they might not be big boys, but we all like to eat. And just imagine what your life would be like if you didn't know where that next one was coming from. It would not be. And it's totally out of your hands. No decisions that you got to make or have anything to do with are deciding whether you get to eat another meal or not. That should not happen in this neck of the woods or any neck of the woods in the Western Hemisphere. It's ridiculous. So we do the little bit that we can try to help out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to just tell you guys, go out, donate to the local food pantry if you can. I know it's a tough time of year, you know, but it's tax time. Take a little bit of that tax money. Oh. I know we were we were glad to uh, to donate a little something uh, from the Wide Men Can't Jump crew. Get into that pantry. Look into that lazy Susan. Even if you got like a can of soup, it doesn't have to be much. But if everybody, you know, 50, 60 people give, each give a can of a soup or, or a ramen noodles or something, at least a kid gets to eat something. It's better than nothing. And it don't absolutely. Yeah. And it don't put you out any great amount of money to spend two or $3 on some soup. Like you, we all yeah. spend it on dumber stuff than that. So. Absolutely. We do. So, uh, you know, again, thanks. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to our little public PSA there. And we're sorry for bringing that into the show, but I think it's something that people need to hear about. All right. It's real. It's relevant. All right. Moving on. We love to laugh here on the show. We were talking about laughing earlier and uh, we always have a good time. We always try to have some laughs and I can't think of a better way to get a chuckle and to bring back one of the most popular segments on the show. That is correct. It is Bush League. It's back this week yet again. Maybe the longest running segment we have on the show at this point. A lot of love for Bush League. And Tim, are you ready for the fun uh, that is Bush League? Just a minute as I clear my mind of Ed Boggess on the pole. Um, Why would you want to clear that? I think you take a picture of that. Because I cannot concentrate on the videos if I got wow. on the fall. Uh, you must not have enough singles. He's a, he's expensive. And that's, and that's a double entendre, Bargus on the pole. But anyway. <laughs> moving on. Moving All on. Right. Uh, all right. I all right. You know the rules here, ladies and gentlemen. If you're new to the show, we have three video nominees on the Wide Men Can't Jump Twitter at Wide Jump. Head on over there if you want to follow along. You'll see these three videos back-to-back-to-back in our news feed. Tim will judge them and say who he thinks deserves to be the winner of this week's Bush League. They will receive a special prize as well. Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Our first nominee this week in Bush League is the reigning, defending, undisputed MVP, Giannis Anantetokounmpo, in the All-Star game. Goes for the windmill and donk. There it goes up oh, and out of bounds. Giannis, Giannis, maybe a little too much pasta before the game time. Little... <laughs> you know he's he's Greek. He's not Middle East. <laughs> he's got he's got that look on his face of like his mouth is open, 
and it's like, oh, this is going to be great. And then it kind of changes to, uh oh, I don't know that I got quite enough air here. Yeah, it was almost great. <laughs> and then we got, and then we got clank. Yeah, it, oh. it, it got all the clank. And uh, yeah. when it goes clank, okay. if we go all the way to our bank, because that one belongs to this. That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? That's Bush League. All right, our next nominee. Poor Josh Hart. Just wants a high five from Zion Williamson. And uh, <laughs> looks like he's trying to hail a taxi as Zion just keeps going. At the Oklahoma City New Orleans Pelicans game, <laughs> yeah, Zion needs to get the old the old peripheral vision's not working too well there. <laughs> Might or, need that Jameis Winston was, LASIK surgery. Uh, maybe there was a dispute about the tunes that were played in the locker room or something. Because yeah, he, that, <laughs> that's a stone cold snub there. Let me tell yeah, you. he just walked right past him and Josh yeah. Hart just, just there. Hello Zion, can I have an autograph? But no, Zion. <laughs> Zion resembles Charles Barkley in the build. He's built like Barkley, only he's yeah. probably a lot stronger. He <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of Barkley, though, with that, that big butt and the strut. Ah, hey, if it works, it works. But uh, Hey, don't knock it until you tried it. Zion leaving Josh Hart hanging. You know what it was. I mean, that is Bush League. That's Bush League. And finally, Marcus Smart. He's trying to get a Bogsy for best flop, a late entry as Marcus Smart drives in to Dennis Schroeder and and he absolutely I don't know if there I don't know if a damp dish rag could flop like that. That was incredible. Is he trying to convince me that there's a wire strung across the court right at that height? Apparently. <laughs> as he just went down. That was like a Stan Stan Hansen Lariat. Is like, oh, he, bumped. He had a rough bump too. He flat backed oh. that thing. Sniper, sniper. <laughs> Need that Chuck Norris meme in front of it where he's just picking oh. people off with the sniper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's just insane. I mean, you would think if you're gonna flop like that, you'd at least control the the landing that you didn't nearly kill yourself. <laughs> Marcus Smart goes all out, that's for sure. And he went all out there with that flop. Oh, and uh, wow. he went all out to... Uh, that's Bush League. Ah. That's, that's Bush League. All right. That's Bogsy worthy right there. Oh, it was. So, Tim, the our three nominees, the Miss Dunk, the Left Hanging High Five, or the oh, ever-wonderful no, flop of Marcus it's, Smart? It's quite clear that uh, Marcus Smart needs new smart shoes. And that's definitely a that's definitely a winner there. Cause well, congratulations so to Marcus Smart. You've won a free pair of tickets to the Oklahoma State game, where you will be sitting in the front row next to the man who you tried to fight in the stands for calling you a racial slur. So enjoy that uh, at Oklahoma State, oh, no, Marcus uh, Smart. No free lap dance from Bogus. No, no, that that's that's a special prize available only for me. All right, so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's been Bush League this week. Bogus, get your tap dancers ready. Bush, Bush League. Bush League. I've got to oh, know. I've got to know if he listens like with headphones. Or 
with speakers because if he listens through headphones, I wonder what his wife and her daughter think. Where all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, he's just sitting there or, or whatever he's doing when he's listening, and suddenly he starts to bust out into this erotic dance for no apparent reason. Apparently, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's. Oh, I'm, well, just I'm, I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing. He's walking around the house with his, you know, or, or he's sitting there with his headphones on, and all of a sudden he starts up this sexual mood. And I wonder what his wife thinks on occasion. No, Ed. Probably tonight. she probably thinks he's just. He probably just thinks he's listening to Careless Whisper again. <laughs> no, no, but, but play that up. Play, now's your chance. Play the song, mate. Play the song. Ah, oh, you know what he could be listening to. Yeah. Yeah. That song, yeah. I can yeah. fucking find it. <laughs> song You know, one of these days, the good people of Wide Men Can't Jump World are going to get the explanation behind that. And when they do, is, I don't know if they're going to like it or not. <laughs> that is the sounds. That is just the caterwauling of Tom Robson, or Tom Robson, Tom Robinson uh, uh, longing for his extra large coat. <laughs> Did you say something about a coat? My coat of many colors. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> oh, oh Lord, all the fun we have that no one else understands. Yeah, the only people laughing are you <laughs> and me, because you know what oh, we are. Dummy! Dummy! Yeah! Yeah! Well, I don't yeah. know about, about you, but I've been in the... Where have you been? Bubbly. Oh! <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you mean oh. this? Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. There we go. Maybe it's you well, that's on the bubbly. Uh, There's Diana right. looking like some kind of hooer. <laughs> had to throw that in there. Uh, okay, how about th- all right? How about this for a uh, segue? Let's get some over. If you've had a little too much of the bubbly and you need somewhere to spend your money, I can't think of anywhere better than the titty bar. But look, you know what the sad thing is, though? You're drunk. You can't drink and drive. That's dangerous. So, But you can walk to your computer and go visit stripcamfun.com and spend your money there. Let's hear some more from them, shall we? Are you tired of the same old average, everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. 
Strip Cam Fun. Be sure to visit right now at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. Ah, yes, drunken masturbation. Nothing more fun than that. All right. We're going to start a new segment here on the show post-All-Star break. It was uh, Tim's brainchild. Uh, Tim, why don't you go ahead and explain it to the folks and let them know what uh, what you got in store here. It's quite simple. Just a little digging through the uh, through the record books, things of that nature, for a little segment we like to call This Week in the NBA. Hey, hey, All right. Something. something like that, anyway. So, anyhow. This uh, week Mike, in the NBA. Kinda, yeah, kind of kind of like the Muppets thing with pigs in space. All right, this week in the NBA, go ahead. Oh, damn it, what have I done? This week in the NBA. All right, anyhow, Monday was uh, Monday in 1963, Nate. Uh, Michael Jordan was born. Michael yeah. Jordan was... Michael Jordan is uh, 57 years old on Monday. Hmm. Throw that out there. That's a little tidbit. Also nice. on Monday in 1967, Nate. Yes. Wilt Chamberlain hit the first of what would become an NBA record 35 consecutive field goals to a miss. Wow. Now, that's, that's, that's insane. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, that is. Yeah. That, that's crazy. Also this week, uh, that's a kind of a strange one, but kind of interesting. Uh, in 1983, Moses Malone from the Philadelphia 76ers scored the NBA's fourth millionth point. Wow. Now, I don't know wow. what it is now. It must be significantly higher than that by now, but... And and then just a, a crazy one that I really like because I don't know is another guy that I think maybe don't get enough love in the big picture of things because they never won anything. Uh, John Stockton in 1995 became the first guard in NBA history to collect 10,000 career assists. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Uh, John Stockton yeah. terribly underrated. Well, yeah, I mean he was kind of in the shadow of Malone anyway to some degree. Back in the yeah, day I mean, the, those those Joe's early jazz teams were really good, or at least the '90s jazz teams. I always really liked them. It was, uh, you know, of course, Chicago. Malone, Stockton, <laughs> uh, Byron Russell, Jeff Hornacek, Greg Ostertag. I mean, those were fun teams. Got some good, got some good teams, but could just could never get by the Bulls. Yeah, um, yeah. You run into Michael and the Bulls. That's what happens. Yeah, quite often. But yeah, so there. That's just a little taste uh, this week. I mean, nice. And, the NBA in space. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, speaking of the NBA, it's back tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, games start back. Some teams had practice today. I know that the uh, – so that, that'll do it for the all-star break for the most part. Get back to action tomorrow night. So there should be some fun games lined up as uh, we get back into things. Let's go ahead and do a little – Preview of some games tomorrow night as the NBA gets back in full swing here. Uh, coming back Thursday, Bucks, Pistons, Heat, Hawks, 76ers, Nets. That one could have some playoff implications. Bulls, Hornets, Grizzlies, Kings, Rockets, Warriors. 
uh, will be the games on tomorrow night. So <laughs> you can see there that the uh, NBA scheduler did. You can tell when they did the schedule, right? Oh yeah, you can definitely tell. Rockets Warriors after the All Star break, and now that game don't mean squat to anybody. Yep, definitely, and it's actually on TNT. So there you go. (laughs) There you are. Yeah, definitely. But all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and do this. We had some great interviews with some great guys during the All Star break, and let's go ahead and let's take the long trip down to Orlando with our buddy. Philip Rossman Reich, as he's come back on the show yet again. And uh, this time he talks a little bit about uh, Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest. He's talked a lot about, uh, you know, what the Magic can do. Because the Magic right now are a playoff team. And what he thinks they can do, they've been hit by the injury bug. And Phil also gives a a few takes on, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, we talk a couple minutes about some NXT takeover action. So, uh Tim, what do you All say right. we go see our good buddy Philip Rossman Reich, shall we? That's roll a tape, mate. Oh, all see? right then. See, roll a tape, mate. Well, back on the show is pretty much uh, the skinniest wide man. We'll put it that way. He's been on the show so much, we might as well call him a member of the family. From Orlando Magic Daily, our man from the Orlando Magic, Philip Rossman Reich. Phil, thanks again for coming on. Always good to talk to you. Always good to be here, man. Happy, happy to be the skinniest wide man. I guess, I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> it is. I, as the biggest wide man, I envy your skinniness. But uh, <laughs> well, that would be, be the first in. time someone said that. <laughs> Well, let's dive into the Orlando Magic situation here. Before we talk about the second half of the season and what the Magic need to do, do you feel your boy Aaron Gordon got robbed at the dunk contest? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think there's there's any doubt that he got robbed. I mean, I, I feel like the dunk contest more than anything else is about the, the reaction and feeling within the building uh, when the dunks are going on. And, and, and consistently and every single time Aaron Gordon did a dunk, you could just watch that group of uh, group of all stars sitting on the bench right in front of that bas- right in front of that basket. Their reaction really told you who won that contest and, and, and how they were feeling that entire time. Like Derek Jones Jr. has some great dunks. I'm not denying that he's a great dunker and I think he's a worthy dunk champion. But Aaron Gordon won the night and it was very clear from how every single player got up and gave him dap and just were were, were huddling around him and, and crowding him after every single dunk that he did that night and you know, Aaron's absolutely right. He should probably have two trophies in his trophy case saying he's the best dunker in the NBA. You know, the first dunk contest, I think there was a little bit of, you know, I can see it. I'm like, yeah, maybe. But, you know, I think he had the best dunks that night. I'm not denying that. And I'm a Wolves fan. And Zach Levine was a Wolf that, at that time. So, even I had to say the dunk over the mascot with the legs, that was that's one of the best dunks I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then – he should have won it this year, too. He should probably have two. He has none. He'll probably go down as the best dunker to never win the dunk contest, which is sad. And if I'm him, I'm never entering the dunk contest again. <laughs> Just to be like, you know oh, what? I mean, you don't... I, I, I'm sure he feels, like, very robbed, um, you know, frankly, because, cause, you know, it, it, it essentially came down to judges' decisions. It came down to they were told to prepare four dunks. They made them do two extra. And honestly, 
if we're going to remember anything from this this dunk contest, it's going to be that dunk over Taco Fall. That that was the iconic dunk of the dunk contest. Um, you know, I thought his his three his uh, three sixty one handed jam was also pretty darn impressive, and then was up there mm-hmm. one of the best dunks that we've seen from him and, and from the dunk contest. But when we show replays of this dunk contest, just like in twenty sixteen where you show the sit down dunk over stuff, when we show replays of this dunk contest, it's going to be. Aaron Gordon dunking over Taco Fall, and honestly, if that doesn't tell you who won the dunk contest, I don't know what does. Yeah, absolutely, and it was uh, it was quite the show they put on, man. Aaron, and you know, I picked Aaron Gordon in our our pre All Star break pick him. I picked Aaron Gordon to win the dunk contest. I was like, this dude's got something to prove. He's back. He's healthy. Uh, Where he wasn't healthy. The last time he was in the dunk contest, this time he's healthy, he's athletic, and he's going to probably wow us. He did, and he still gets the shaft. Um, the rumor was they wanted it to go another round, apparently, and some of the judges miscommunicated on how many nines to give, and that's why Gordon lost. That was what at least the rumor floating around recently. That, if that so, is, that's, that is, that that's is a travesty. That is a conspiracy theory, and, and there are Zapruder films out there if, if you care to indulge in said conspiracy theories. <laughs> I've never seen so much so much just stuff going on in terms of a contest who let's let's be honest here, it means really nothing in the grand scheme of the NBA, but it's entertaining and it's fun to watch and you know, it was a great dunk contest, so my hat's off to everybody in the dunk contest. So uh, even Dwight Howard, you know what? Uh, I'll I'll tip my hat to him cuz it takes a lot of guts to go out there and do those dunks. I can't do them. So I mean, to and, be involved and on, in that's and on really magic cool. front. Not on the magic front, it was good to see Dwight and Jameer back together again. Uh, warmed, warmed, warmed my heart. Oh, yeah. Who can forget those days? But let's look ahead a little bit here to these days. Um, post-trade deadline, Magic didn't make a whole lot of moves. However, they did get James Ennis, and I think that's a sneaky good pickup for them. They've kind of struggled a little bit in the – areas of the point guard but now they have James Ennis how does he coming to the Magic help them it going into the second half well you know the the Magic have been struck with a lot of injuries this year and they've had to play a lot of guys out of position and and just try and find ways to to keep themselves in games and and keep themselves with an opportunity uh, to to compete at a high level they've had to play Aaron Gordon at the three they've had to play Ken Burch at the four and so bringing uh, bringing a guy like James Ennison just just helps set everyone in the right spot, um, you know, because he can play the three, he can play the two, you know, maybe on a on a you know depending on how how big the other team is, he might be able to play some four, but he can defend multiple multiple positions, which is a big thing to Magic like, and he's a very good corner three point shooter. I mean, you know, he's maybe not a great overall three point shooter, but if you get him in the corners, he can hit the three. He's good at running running in transition and filling lanes. And he's good at flying to the basket, and that checks off a lot of boxes for the for the Magic. And certainly with the injuries that they face, you know, they're you know as John Hammond likes to put it, they're essentially down a position with both Al Farouk Aminu and Jonathan Isaac out of the lineup. It just helps kind of set everyone in the right spots to kind of get them going uh, into the playoffs and, and, and readying for the playoffs and some of the matchups they might face. With both of those guys down, how long is it, because uh, I haven't really got to read too much of the injury report, how long are Aminu and Isaac scheduled to miss? How much time do you think they'll be out? At this point, it is widely assumed they will both miss the rest of the season. Um, Alfred Kaminu is scheduled to be reevaluated after surgery on his right knee uh, in the beginning of April. Um, it's very unlikely that the Magic would push him out there 
um, you know, much past that because this is just to be reevaluated. This isn't back playing. This isn't back doing anything on the floor. It's just being evaluated. Jonathan Isaac is set to be reevaluated. I believe the original timetable was next week um, after, uh, you know, just to kind of see where he's at with his, his injury. But the Magic have, under Jeff Waltman, been very, very slow with injuries. They have been very cautious and careful with injuries. Um, they don't want to rush these guys back sooner than they want. They've got, especially with a guy like Jonathan Isaac, they see the long-term picture. They're not fighting for much in, this, in, in the big scheme of things this year. They're fighting for the seventh seed in the East, which is important you know, for, for a team like Orlando, but not the end-all, be-all. They're not going to go out there and throw Isaac out there before he's ready just to maybe steal a game from Boston or Miami or Toronto or Milwaukee if it comes to that. Um, so th- there's no rush to bring Isaac back, and it's widely expected that he will be done for the season. And that's a shame. It just seems like every time the Magic feel like they're building a little bit, that injury bug just bites them. Uh, and, and that just, uh, I hate that because the Magic are a great young team. They're really building something nice. Um, you know, let's talk about some of the, the top players for the Magic right now this season. Of course, can't go talking about the Magic without mentioning Vucevic. As he's, you know, he's 29 years old. I can relate. Um and he's really just dominating right now on the boards and in the paint. He's 19 points per game, 11 rebounds a game. Is this just business as usual for Nikola Vucevic? Uh, it's, it's getting back there. Um, it's certainly been a bit of a struggle this season for, for Nikola Vucevic uh, as he's tried to, to kind of match what he did last year. I think defenses are playing him a lot differently, and, and the Magic have frankly used him a lot differently. They're having him shoot a lot more three-pointers and hang around the perimeter, which, which personally I think is, is misusing him in a lot of ways, although he's a very gifted passer out of the high post and is also a very good, uh, uh, you know, at least for a big man, a very good three-point shooter, but not enough where he should be shooting five three-pointers a game. Uh, the Magic have to find a way to establish Vujovic a lot better. Um, you know, he is, like you said, a very reliable player, and the Magic just have not been able to get the most out of him this year, certainly not at the level that they did last year. And some of that's not Vujovic. He's missed shots. He's, he's not hit open shots that he needs to make. Um, the Magic have gotten him open looks, but he's he's not hitting them consistently. Um, and that's kind of exposed a little bit of his other, other parts of his game. And, and teams are willing to let him shoot from three as long as he's not in the post, as long as he's not moving the ball. Um, and so that's something that the Magic have to do a better job of is establishing Vucevic in the post. And if they can do that, um, they, they're certainly a more than competitive team in, in the Eastern Conference playoff race where, where they're at. Yeah, and you would think with the the record, you know, it's not the greatest record in the world, 24-31 and 31 right now. Um, 15 and 13 home on the road, nine and 18. That's just rough, very rough for the magic, but you know, still sitting there in that eight spot can possibly get to the seven. Um, and I think a a piece of that, a a guy that's really helped there. And, you know, I doubted Aaron Gordon for years, but it seems like Aaron Gordon, as we got closer to the all-star break, especially he was big in those two wins over Atlanta and Detroit. 26 and 25, almost a double-double in both games, almost a triple-double against Detroit. He really seems like he may have found kind of a groove here. You know, he's averaging 14 and 7 per game, which is up for him. Um, Has Aaron Gordon maybe turned a corner and is turning into the player that everyone expected him to be? That. That is that is certainly the hope because it is it has been a rough year for Aaron Gordon. I think a lot of the Magic's hopes to maybe compete for home court advantage in this year's playoffs were pinned on Aaron Gordon taking a star leap and, and not being in the slam dunk contest, but playing in the Sunday game, uh, in the All Star game, in the main event. Um, but Gordon has started to kind of 
piece some things together. He's dealt with a lot of injuries this year. He got popped in the jaw early in, in the preseason during the preseason games and, and was never quite right after that. He sprained his ankle in late November, took him a while to come back from that. Um, he came back maybe a little bit too early. He was still feeling some soreness. It was definitely slowing him down. Um, and now it seems like Gordon's just kind of refocused himself on what he is good at. He's, he said that he's really focusing on attacking the offensive glass and getting putbacks where he can get easy baskets, easy shots around the basket. He's doing a much better job getting out in transition. And, you know, one thing that is very underrated about Gordon's game is he is a very good passer. For me, with Aaron Gordon, it's always about making quick decisions. The longer he holds on to the ball, the worse the decision is going to be or the worse the shot's going to be for him. He tends to love those little fadeaway shots and, and one-on-one moves that don't really get him anywhere. He's not necessarily – he's not he's an okay player at that, but not a great player at that. Um, he really has to make quick decisions, attack quickly, where he can use his athleticism to kind of close gaps and draw contact. And when he does that, he usually makes the right decision, and he's starting to do that a lot more. He, like you said, with the dunk contest, he looked healthy, and he finally does look – fully healthy and 100% healthy, and that could be trouble for the rest of the league if, if he's starting to make that turn that I think a lot of us expected uh, from the start. Yeah, and another player who's really made a big turn is Markel Fultz, the perennial wide men can't jump laughing stock for so many years, and now Fultz seems like he's kind of found a home in Atlanta. We talked about him last time you were on the show and how him getting out of the spotlight was the best thing for him. How's he adapted in Orlando? Because it seems like if you just look at the stat line, things are on the up and up for Markel Fultz. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the adaptation's been perfect. If, if anything, Magic fans are begging Steve Clifford to, to give him more, to let him do more, to control more of the tempo of the game, to control the team a little bit more, even if it means some mistakes as, as a young player. I mean, I think essentially we've all tried to treat him, you know, not necessarily as a rookie because he's definitely, you know, more experienced than a rookie, but trying to treat expectations for him like he's a, like he's a young player, like he's just learning the league. And he's gone through ups and downs. He's had some really good games and some games where he's made a ton of mistakes and, and looked kind of lost or didn't quite know where to assert himself and insert himself in the game. But he is making progress on all those fronts. Like I said, I think the number one adjustment the Magic can make, uh, you at this extra practice time they have have before the games start back up again, uh, and really heading into the last last twenty some seven games of the season, is letting Markel Fultz control the tempo of the game a lot more. The Magic play with one of the second slowest pace in terms of possessions for forty eight minutes in the league. Their offensive pace with them half court is actually very slow too. And one thing that picks it up is giving the ball to Markel Fultz because he can get into the lane, create some havoc, cause a defense to collapse, and that gets the Magic's ball movement going. He's a really sharp passer really smart in transition to, and the Magic, I think, really just need to let him go and let him play and be himself a little bit more if they want to make this leap to, to seventh that they that they, they, think they, they think they can make. Um, if they can get to seven, let's just say they do, they would more than likely, if I'm looking at the standings correctly, if the games were played right now, they would be playing Toronto. Now, it, it more than likely looks like it'll be Toronto or Boston is going to get the two seed. Who would they rather face? Clearly, they don't want to play. Nobody wants to play Milwaukee as Milwaukee's just uh, tearing it up. They still haven't reached double-digit losses yet this season. Um, who would they rather play against? Who do they match up better against, Toronto or Boston in a seven-game series? I- I think they match up better with Boston than Toronto in a seven-game series. And and the big reason why is, you know, Nikola Vucevic really struggled last year against the Raptors. And and I think a big reason for that is Marc Gasol, you know, found an extra gear for the playoffs. And and the Raptors could throw two very good post defenders at Nikola Vucevic at all times between Serge Ibaka and and, uh, Marc Gasol. 
Vucevic really had no way to beat them one-on-one. And, and the rest of the Magic shooting just wasn't there, wasn't developed enough. Um, the Celtics, though, don't have that luxury. I mean, they've, they've got some nice They've got some nice bigs. They've got some nice bigs, but no one that's really going to force Nikola Vucevic to, to you know, guys are going to force that, that, that they're going to have to double down on Nikola Vucevic, and that that really helps get the Magic going. Um, you know, the big question with Boston is the Magic historically struggled to defend Kemba Walker. He kills them on pick and rolls because Vucevic isn't the best pick and roll defender, and Walker's a really good mid range shooter. Those are the kind of point guards that kill the Magic. Are guys that can hit mid range shots off of pick and rolls because the Magic are going to drop like crazy just because Vucevic doesn't have the, the athleticism to, to keep up. But Boston, you know, even though they have some dynamic weapons on the wing, you know, Orlando can match up a little bit with Jason Tatum. Aaron Gordon. Uh, in, in their last game against the Celtics a couple weeks ago, you know, went toe to toe with Jason Tatum for three and a half quarters, uh, and really made really, Tatum really struggled, but he had to hit some tough shots over him. Um, you know, and Gordon had a big game that night too. Um, uh, they they have wings that they can throw at Gordon Hayward, and, and wings that they can, especially now that they have James Ennis, especially too. They have guys that, that that can kind of match up with Boston, and so with the Celtics, it really would be come down to can Aaron Gordon win his matchup with Jason Tatum, and can Nikola Vucevic dominate the post, and and that would be what would determine the series. Um, no one here is expecting Orlando to 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 win a series against any of these teams. They're a seven seed. You know these teams at the top are very very good. Orlando's got some very fatal flaws that are going to keep them from winning, and, and flaws that they've got to sort out and figure out um, in the off season for sure if, if they want to take that next step, but. Boston's certainly a team that I feel like Orlando can compete against. They haven't yet. Boston's beaten them pretty handily in both games. The Magic played the second game in Boston much tighter. They still have another meeting coming up later this year. Um, but I do think that Orlando has a better chance to maybe steal a game, maybe a second game uh, from the Celtics, certainly more than the Raptors, which present a lot of problems for Orlando because of their size and because of the lack of, of size that the Magic don't have now with Jonathan Isaac out. Well, let's talk about the trade deadline. We talked about James Ennis and uh, Orlando moving and uh, and moving and getting him, and that was a good move for them. But are you surprised that maybe they didn't try to make a, another move or, or move on from some of these guys that have been on the roster? Were there any calls fielded? Uh, why were the Magic so tentative in making moves? So, you know, I, I definitely think Orlando has, has come to a realization uh, that, that the team has a little bit of a ceiling. That, that they don't, you know, they're, they're fighting again to be a seven or eight seed team. And, and that's not where you want to be. For the second straight year, they're, you know, fighting for playoff scraps, essentially. They're, you know, seven games under 500. They're going to need a little bit of a rally to get back to 500. No one wants to be an under 500 playoff team. I'm sure Orlando doesn't want to either. So, you know, Orlando, I think, kind of understands that, you know, yes, they've had a lot of injuries. Yes, they've had a lot of problems. But they, they still have to, they still have to um, take a next step somewhere. There's still another step they have to take. And, that's going to necessitate change on the roster. So I do think that they were very aggressive looking for moves. Um, Evan Fournier has a player option this summer can become uh, an unrestricted free agent. I don't anticipate the magic are going to resign him. I, I kind of feel like he's the odd man out. They've got big contracts. They got to give out to Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz coming up next summer. They can't, they simply cannot pay everyone. If they try to pay everyone. They're going to be stuck in the luxury tax for the seventh or eighth of the team. And that's not where anyone wants to be. So I, I do think that they look to trade Evan Fournier. Um, I, I, according to several reports, they also look to trade Aaron Gordon. They, they were fishing around to see what they could get for Gordon. But at the end of the day, I think the Magic felt that they were trying to buy. They were trying to add something to their team. They were trying to, to you know, bring in a player or a group of players that would help only this year, but help them grow beyond. And, and the fact of the matter is at the trade deadline, you have buyers and sellers. You have teams that are looking to kind of cut bait, take whatever they can get, and teams are looking to add 
key pieces without giving up big pieces in return. You rarely see kind of big player for big player trades like we saw this year with D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins. Those are very, very rare as a trade deadline. Um, and so I think when Orlando started looking in the market, they kind of realized that everyone's treating us like sellers. They're trying to get our good players for peanuts. We're trying to bring in players. Uh, we're trying to get equal value back or something close to equal value back or something that will help our roster overall this year as well as in the future. And, and those deals just, I don't think, may, were made apparent now. I think the information that they got on some of the deals they probably were talking about, they'll revisit in the summer. And I think the summer will be a very active time for the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I could see that happening uh, as well. Uh, because especially with, you know, you mentioned Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross is another guy that I think a lot of teams would be interested in and calling about. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting summer for the Magic. I can't – I, I got to hear about Mo Bamba. I'm seeing the stat line. My guy, Mo Bamba, uh, you know, you got to fill me in on what's going on. I've been so busy. I haven't been able to watch too many league pass games. What's going on with my guy, Mo Bamba? Because I really thought this guy was going to be special. Granted, he's still young. He's only 21. But this stat line is just not what I expected to see out of him in his second year in the league. Yeah, don't 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 sell your stock yet. It's it's definitely been a, a, an interesting and difficult season for him. His shot just hasn't been there consistently as it needs to be, and the minutes have been tough to come by too. Because quite simply, he's playing behind the Magic's best player. It's really tough to get minutes when you're trying to make the playoffs and your best player plays the same position as you. So finding minutes for Mo Bamba has been really really tough. But I I do want to say this. I really think Mo has been very impressive this year. He has done a really good job in the minutes that he's gotten. He's gotten a lot better with his defensive understanding. If I'm not mistaken, he is either tops or in the top five in the league in block percentage among players who play at least 12 minutes per game or at least 10 minutes per game. He is a guy that is changing a lot of shots, and it's not just him going out and chasing blocks anymore. It's him being in the right position, in the right spot to get rebounds, to block shots, to change shots, and to be an impact, impact on defense. According to uh, NBA.com's tracking staff, um, which I believe are provided by Synergy, um, Mo Bamba, opponents shoot 50% at the rim against Mo Bamba. That is among the best marks in the entire league. So he is quickly becoming a solid shot blocker and a solid rim protector, which is, I think, what we all expect. It's taken a little while, though, and the big thing for him is adding strength. He is still very easily moved on the block by bigger centers, and so the opportunities for him are still a little rare that the team isn't quite throwing him into the deep end quite yet. They're kind of letting him wade a little bit in, in, in the shallow end and, and trying to put him in positions where he can succeed, which I think largely he is. And over the last maybe 10 or so games, his shot started to come around too. He's starting to contribute a lot more offensively. So I think there are a lot of positive signs from Obama. I think that he is making the right steps and the right progress to, to be an impact player. And, and now the question is, how much strength can he put on in the summer? How much more muscle can he add? How much better can he get to the point where the Magic have to say to themselves, Nikola Vucevic is no longer our best center? Yeah, because this guy's young. He's big. I mean, he's a true seven-footer. There's a lot he has to offer. Of course, you know, a little skinny, but I'm really – I don't want to say he's a bust. I don't think he is a bust. Only time will tell, but – uh, I expected more, I guess, early on in his career. But we'll see. I'm hoping he develops a little bit, be a late bloomer. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But looking looking at the, the Magic's uh, remaining schedule here, um, you know, there's a mixture of, of good teams, and but there's a lot of winnable games here I'm seeing for the Magic, especially to round out February. Uh, one playoff team in the month of February left, 
uh, and that would be the Mavericks. And then, um, you know, there's a few Western so Conference teams soon. Ah, yes, and the Nets. Excuse me, I forgot about the Nets. Uh, okay, so two playoff teams. One you're battling with for position, so that game could kind of go in either way. But, you know, the Hawks, my Wolves, the Spurs, the Blazers, you know, a lot of winnable games here. You know, the Cavs, the Kings, with the post-All-Star break here, what do you what do you predict? Do you think the Magic can get back and get over 500 heading into the playoffs with the schedule they have left? So, I mean, 500 is going to be a big ask. I mean, the Magic were, are actually one game ahead of their pace last year. Uh, at this time, they were they had 23 wins at this point last year. They're 23 and 32. They're 24 and 31 now, uh, and they went on a crazy run to get to 42 and 40. They went on an absolutely crazy run, going 22 and nine over their final 31 games. So, I'm not quite expecting that. I don't think they'll get back to 500, but undoubtedly the opportunity is there. The Orlando Magic play the second easiest schedule in the league, or the third easiest schedule in the league by opponent win percentage the rest of the way. As you noted, there are a lot of winnable games, and if you look at March. March, I think, is, is even kind of even more friendly to, to them than the rest of February is. I think they play the Heat at the beginning of March in Miami, and the schedule kind of lightens up from there. They only go, they only play four Western Con on the road the rest of the way. They play at Minnesota, they play at Memphis, they play at San Antonio, and they play at Houston. So there aren't a lot of those kind of big, tough, you know, Western Conference games. There's no more West Coast road trips, which Washington and Chicago, the two teams chasing Orlando, still have to go on. Um, Chicago's is actually pretty late in the season, and late March, early April. Um, and so Orlando definitely has the opportunity to pick up wins. They've done very, very well this year against teams under 500. The big struggle, if you look at their record, is against other playoff caliber teams, against teams with above 500 records. They are more than competitive against these teams with losing records. It's just about are they going to have the confidence to execute? Are they going to have the, the, the focus to play defense at the high level that they need to play at, which they've struggled to for much of the season? If they can do that, they are certainly capable of making a little bit of a run, making some noise to, to get to second to seventh. And, you know, who knows? If they go on the run that they did last year, sixth isn't completely out of the realm of possibility, although I, I think that is extremely unlikely. Well, i got to ask you before you go, and, and I appreciate all the magic insight you bring, but we got to bring up a little bit of pro wrestling here on the show. We always do. <laughs> um, what what do you think? What do you think of, of the Royal Rumble? First off, second off, what are your predictions going to WrestleMania? And uh, well, you know, you don't have to give me all the predictions, but you know, main card predictions, big like the big matches, and. Let me ask you what you thought of uh, TakeOver Portland. Uh, any thoughts on that? So I, I thought the Rumble was, was a really good show. The, the Royal Rumble is, is my favorite favorite event overall, you know, aside from camera changes, which were a little annoying. But but I love I look forward to the Royal Rumble every year. It is, it is by far my favorite event. Um, I, I felt like it was very well done. It was very well put together. I love the first half with, with Brock kind of dominating and, and throwing everyone over. It was something different. Um, you know, I am of the mind that I'm very tired of Brock Lesnar. I, I don't like how the champion is not on the show every every week, and I know that he gets a big pop and sells a lot of tickets. But I, I'm a big I'm a big sucker for good storytelling. You give me a good story that 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 plays out in the ring, I, I, I'm for it. And and I, and I liked how that story played out in, in this one. Um, you know, I, I'm very happy that Drew McIntyre won. Certainly, some fears that Roman Reigns would get another Rumble win, which. You know, I, I think he'll end up winning Elimination Chamber to face Bray, to face defeat Bray Wyatt at oh, WrestleMania, yeah, yeah. which 
I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think that the Fiend needs to continue winning, and I don't know if I'm don't think we're quite. I don't know if we're quite there yet for the for the Roman Fiend blowout, or, or certainly I think that's a rivalry that should take a little bit more time because that is the quintessential Bray Wyatt rivalry. That is that is the guy that he absolutely needs to get revenge against over all the other characters that he is yeah. that he has hung up on his on his Firefly Funhouse wall. So I, I, I think we'll probably get that match. I, I wish. I hope they don't rush the the rush the, uh, the the feud there, but but it looks like that that they're going to. Um, I, I think that I, I, I thought that the rumble was was really really good. Uh, it's certainly setting something setting things up. Um, but you know WrestleMania still feels like very much in the air. I'm very happy that they're doing the Charlotte Flair Rhea Ripley uh, rivalry. I thought that Shayna Baszler was the shoe in to win the rumble to challenge Becky. It looks like they're doing that anyway. I thought Charlotte was a little bit tired to win the rumble. You know she's she's always going to be the championship picture. She doesn't need the she doesn't need the boost that the rumble usually gives a young performer. Um, and, you know I don't think any of us doubt that Charlotte should be in the championship picture, but doing that to get to get Rhea Ripley over I think is is, is a really is a really big spot. And I'm, I'm really excited to see that match. I think that'll be one of the better matches of the night, but obviously it's it's still early in mania season we got another you know big event coming coming up here soon got a couple big events i think coming up here soon uh to help set up mania and and we'll see we'll see where things go you know as as i always say though it it, it's got to be about storytelling you got to tell good stories if you're just kind of putting two great performers in the ring you got to give us a reason to be invested and 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 it can't be predictable And, and unfortunately i think with wwe sometimes they get a little bit too predictable. It's too. It's a little bit too easy to see what's coming on the horizon. I mean, I, I'm really eager to see what they do with this Randy Orton Edge feud. Um, I, I think that 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 they played that out very very well, and they've executed that very well so far, especially with kind of Orton taking out taking out Matt Hardy, which looking forward to him in AEW very very soon as well. But um, it's it, it it's certainly it's certainly you know there's certainly a lot of pieces in the air, and it, and it doesn't always seem like WWE has their things planned out accordingly and so so i hope that they really take the time to map out how they want these stories to go and and, and come up with good storylines for for mania because it's it's obviously a show that's a seven hour investment so it better be good oh yes i'm ready for the marathon uh <laughs> but uh did you watch takeover portland or not i was just wondering if you got to i watch did watch it. takeover portland it's you know the, the takeover shows are they're, they're always good. fantastic. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't so call this good. even one of the better takeovers, and it was still very, very good. I, I, the 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 match, the 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 uh, Champa uh, Champa match Cole. was incre- was incredible. Yeah. At Ch- Champa Cole was incredible. Um, the the women's match with with uh, both women's matches honestly were, were really good. I love the street fight with with uh, I'm blanking on names now for some reason. Tegan Knox um, and Dakota Kai. Yes, yes, I, I, I love that match. I love the match with Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. Uh, including the finish with with Charlotte Flair coming out to to, to issue the challenge. Uh, you know they do they do such a good job. The tag match was great with with uh, with the undisputed era and the Brozo. Yeah, Rose. that just, that just match. Lot, God, more more of that, please. Like you can yeah, give me do, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish against well, anybody, and I'm I'm sold. Uh, yeah. they're they're so good. But yeah, Philip, I appreciate your time, and uh, you know, one of these days we're just going to do a straight wrestling episode. I feel like that's gonna that's coming <laughs> in the future, and. We may have to do that for our Patreon page because we've got a lot of wrestling fans on our Patreon page. So we, we may set that up. Let's we, we'll talk about yeah, that. I, 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 I'd be down. Just just let me just let me know so I can make sure I'm caught up. Oh no problem. No problem. Shoot, I have to get caught up. <laughs> There's so much wrestling on every week. It's hard to get caught up. <laughs> but much. I appreciate you j- jumping on the show and talking with us again. And uh, go ahead and let our listeners know if they haven't followed you or checked you out yet. I don't know what they're doing, but go ahead and get your plugs in there, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me, of course, on Twitter at Philip R underscore O and D. You can follow my my uh, my website at orlandomagicdaily.com, uh, at omagicdaily on Twitter. And, of course, listen and subscribe to my podcast if you want more Orlando Magic at Locked On Magic, wherever you download podcasts. Yeah. All right. Well, Philip, thanks again, and we'll have you back on real soon, man. We'll talk some more. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Thanks. Shackleford? What the hell? What does this turn into? said he tapped into Bogus' iPod, and that's what came up. It's the sex show with Nate and Ted. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to invite those to send in potential this day in NBA history updates. Like, if you want to, if you think you've got the voice for it, send it in. Send it to Shackleford. He's got it. We'll take care of it, all right? <laughs> well, now that we've careless whispered our way back into this uh, segment, thanks to Philip Rossman Wright for uh, jumping back on the show as always. But first, Tim, have you seen the newest addition to the Atomic Comics and Collectibles uh, website? Um, I'm going to have to say I, I don't think I have, but those guys the Medco so living. Oh. The Mesco Living Dead doll Pennywise from the 2017 It movie. Um, here, I'll send it to you. It is incredible looking. Uh, some of the stuff you'll see here. Uh, I shared it on my personal Facebook timeline. So if you if you follow me uh, on I, Facebook, I, I, I'm looking at it right now. That's some scary oh. looking doll. That's some scary yeah. looking doll, my friend. That's nice and only. $45. So head on over to Atomic it's, Comics and Collectibles no, LLC. I'm going to have to disagree. Like, if you like it, great. I mean, yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, that freaks me right. I don't want that anywhere. No. No. Well, no. But let's hear some more from our great friends at Atomic Comics Collectibles. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. And again, go check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. All right, a little bit of news around the league here during the All-Star break. Um, here's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. 
before we get past the All-Star break, did you hear what uh, Giannis's uh, offensive game plan was during the All-Star game? Did you happen to hear that? I did, if you can share it with the good folks. It was, we just tried to find whoever James Harden was guarding, which was hysterical. I really but, laughed hard at that. <laughs> but, but accurate and true. I got a kick out of that. All right. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty sound uh, formula, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with it. I was like, well, you know, they asked and he gave him an answer. <laughs> so, uh, Reggie Jackson has been bought out by the Detroit Pistons, and he plans to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers once he clears waivers. Jackson will go to an already loaded Clippers team, and now becomes another weapon for them. Jackson's a good player. Detroit's just cleaning house. They're they're moving on. Detroit is blowing the team up here, and they're going to start the rebuild behind their young core, uh, which consists right now, to me, if there's only one guy on that team that you that you keep, and that's uh, uh, Dumbaya, and he's the only guy that I'm keeping. Everybody else can go. Um, so the Pistons looking to be no longer middle of the road, which is the worst place you can be in the NBA is middle of the road. Seven, eight seed playoffs. That's the worst. Um, all right. Uh, John Beeline, no longer the Cavaliers head coach. That didn't last long uh, as he is on the way out. J.B. Bickerstaff will now become the head coach. Beeline is expected to say goodbye to the staff and players on Wednesday, which is he's today. Being, but he's he got a new – yes, he's, he's being reassigned. Really- in the Cavaliers, uh, with the Cavaliers, he's gonna, so he's been. He's going to get. He's going to get one of them front office type jobs that nobody really knows what the hell it is those guys do, but they get paid. Oh yeah. You know, he's, executive he's living the dream. Yeah, you know, associate executive of vice president in charge of something. Uh, blah blah blah. You know, it's a title forty two miles long, but nobody really knows what they do. But yeah, the executive. He's a vice president of talent relations. All right. Um, he probably has a contract that they can't. Oh, he does. Got, that they well, he's got a contract, but they probably can't get out of paying him. So we might as well do something, whatever it is, right? Might as well. If they don't, yeah, if they don't hate the guy, like I mean, let's be honest. I don't think it matters who's coaching the Cavaliers at this point. Um, they're not going to be very good. JB so, bigger staff. No, but I, but it could have been anybody even before Bayline. It could have been anyone. Could have been a coach of that team, and they're not going to do much better because they just don't have the just don't have the players. So, very true. Uh, Damari Carroll, uh, he was bought out, and then once he clears waivers, he's headed for Houston. Uh, not a bad place for him to go, but once again, lack of depth in Houston in terms of big men. They are very small. Carroll's good what defender, I- but. We'll have to wait and see. What happened to the we don't need a big man story? Well, they still don't have one. <laughs> well, not really, I guess. But um, Are you trying to tiptoe around that other story, or what's the scoop there? Did I miss a, a story here? No. Um, well, about your boy. Carl Anthony Towns being hurt? There you go. Yeah, he's out indefinitely. Uh, as re- reported by John Krasinski, no real timetable on his return. He's got a wrist injury. So, uh, I mean, there's really – I'm not tiptoeing around it. I would have got to it, but uh, I can go ahead and dive into that. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to go down the rabbit hole quickly. Uh, go ahead. Timberwolves, Timberwolves uh, what, five games out of the basement. Um, 
can can the Minnesota Timberwolves be as bad as the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers to get the uh, lottery pick? One would hope. I mean, <laughs> and at and, this and point, I'm not looking. I'm not looking to make the playoff. Let's uh, and, let's go and, ahead and. and go, right. Oh yeah. No. True. But then I'll go down the rabbit hole even further. If they get the lottery pick, will you want them to pick uh, Mr. Ball? You know, it's an interesting question. I, I haven't really thought about it. I think we should pick whomever compliments our team the best. I'll be honest. I haven't even started my looking at NBA players coming into I the draft because we don't know yeah. who's coming yet. I can't. Uh, maybe, maybe James Wiseman. I don't know. Maybe we could somehow yeah. slip and grab James Wiseman. I'd be okay with that. I can't believe Who knows? That, there, that there isn't a better NCAA tested player available than him where he has really, what has he done? He barely played high school basketball. He's played no college. He's played a mm-hmm. smattering. He's played a smattering of the games against, well, adults, but not, I mean, professionals, but not NBA grade professionals. And by all accounts, he's not a bad, he did okay statistically on the offensive side, but apparently his defense is horrific times 10. So, God, I don't know. I mean, he's going to get drafted. I don't think there's any doubt of that. But I can't, I can't believe that people are still pushing him as a number one pick. That baffles me. Yeah, I'm not sure about all that. But um, we'll have to wait and see, of course, you know, Ed Bogus' favorite show, the uh, the draft show, we'll have that, I'm sure, uh, later on in the year, and we'll see where we end up. All right, uh, a couple other news newsworthy things. P.J. Tucker, he's going to be getting his uh, fourth season of his contract, so he's getting a fully guaranteed deal. Uh, so good for him getting paid. Jeff Green will sign a 10-day contract with the Rockets, giving him a chance to become comfortable with the fit before committing to a deal for the rest of the season. And probably the biggest news that nobody's talking about, players have voted to support the formation of a union for the NBA G League. Uh, and up next is a formal approval at the G League level. Players union held voting in the meeting today. So not only do the players have a union, the G League will now have a union. I wonder, I wonder what that's going to do to contracts and or. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Our, our and or the uh, moving of players, like are guys going to get it into their contract now that they don't want to be sent to the G League or can't it, it, be sent? To it's the G again, League? it's one of those. It's one of those things where it makes you it makes you wonder. So we'll, a lot of we'll questions wait. there that would have to have answers. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and people don't. I don't think people realize um, how big that is in terms of. G League getting a union because that could be a lot of a lot of stuff. Oh, because yeah, unions exactly. unions control everything in terms of what's going on in the league nowadays. I mean they they basically use it. I mean they use it as a training ground too, but it is also a bit of a dump of you know we don't really know what to do with you uh, right away in the G League kind of thing, and that probably won't be able to happen because. You might, you know, it might be really good for basketball though, because you might be able to make a, a career of being a G League player with a union. Yeah, we could see. You know, you never know. Um, are you kidding me? 
Wow, we've already got a submission? Okay, um, I threw it out there. We've got a submission for... I can't wait to hear this. For the intro to this day in NBA history, they said, quote, this may not be exactly what you're looking for, but you've kind of referenced it, so try it out. Okay, well, okay, let's... uh, Let's check it out, shall we, Tim? Let's go. And now, Pig in Spain! Starring the fatuous Captain Link Hogthrob, the recalcitrant first mate Miss Piggy, and the describable Dr. Strangefork. Well, that number goes back a long ways. Well, it didn't go back far enough. I could still see it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how whales cry? No, how do they cry? Blubber, blubber, blubber. blubber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you never know when something funny is going to happen on this show. Did something funny happen? Yeah. You'd never know it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. There you you go. Did something funny happen? All right. Now, you never know it. <laughs> critique that quickly. We didn't want pig pigs in space. We wanted something <laughs> like pigs in space. <laughs> B, are you Captain Link Hogthrob and I'm Dr. Strangefork? Is that how that shit's working? <laughs> Apparently that's the way it's got to be. All right. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But that is, Does that make Robinson uh, first mate Miss Piggy? Ah, uh, I or, no. or or are we going to put that job up for? Uh, well, I can't. You know, I don't want to get into any trouble here, but we can't really lay that on a female because the ladies who do listen uh, are much more. Both of them. them. <laughs> we ain't calling any of them Miss Piggy. I know that much. No, no, uh, no. no I've seen both of them. They're, well, uh, we'll put Bogus and Bogus and Drag. We probably got three, right? Because we got Mrs. Boggus, we got Mrs. Hoff, and we got Miss Miller. So we got at least well, three. Right, yeah, well, my sister lives. Yeah, well, uh, okay, so we got four, and we're not calling any of them Miss Piggy. I mean, that would be... I'll call my sister Miss Piggy. That'd be funny. Well, you can. I won't, because I think... <laughs> uh, <laughs> without going any further down that road, that accent works every time. But anyhow... Well, um, yeah, really, let's get out of that. Uh, yeah, so uh, hey, let's just let's throw it open. Okay, for now it'll be Bogus and Drag, but we'll be looking. <laughs> Bogus or Hoff and Drag, it's the only way. <laughs> Bogus dances. I really think it should be Hoff and Drag. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We, it's Hoff and Drag, unless Armando owns a nice uh, a nice dress, or you know, we can buy one from Scott Robert Scott Roberts on eBay. <laughs> I tell you what, up. if if Armando's going to do it, then I'm going to rename him Fatima. <laughs> a a puntet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did find out what that word means. We don't want to use it. Yeah, we probably shouldn't. We're a couple of gringos anyway. All right, yeah, speaking no, of which, but anyhow, moving on. Let's, moving on. let's go to our conversation with Alex Golden, who's on from God, this went off haywire, but he's on from oh. PacersTalk.net. And we're going to talk some Indiana Pacers. Let's roll it, shall we? Roll a tape, mate. Back on the show is Alex Golden. He is covering the Pacers for PacersTalk.net. And Alex, thank you 
again for jumping back on the show to talk a little Indiana Pace. Yeah, man, glad to be back on and uh, talk about this team that's currently uh, six in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and they were setting up a little higher than that before um, before the All Star break. Kind of feel like maybe they they slipped a little bit heading into the break. What what's your thoughts on the team and how they they kind of they went three and seven in their last ten. What's your thoughts on the team kind of sliding into All Star break on a little bit of a skid? Yeah, so they had lost six in a row before they beat Milwaukee last week heading into the All-Star break. So uh, I think really the biggest uh, adjustment the Pacers had to make was trying to figure out who they were with the return of Victor Oladipo. So, you know, you got a guy who's the franchise uh, player who had missed over a year of playing, and he comes back into the lineup. And he came off the bench the first couple of the games, and then they ended up putting him back in the starting lineup now. You know, it threw off the rotations. It threw off the chemistry a little bit. And personally, you know, when the Pacers went against Milwaukee, Victor Oladipo was very efficient. He went 5 of 7 for 13 points. And in the other games, he had been shooting, you know, under 30%. So with that being said, it's like Victor was taking a lot more attempts in the losses. And in this game, he didn't have nearly as many attempts, and the Pacers won. So I think really the formula for that is Victor learning how to adjust to his teammates instead of his teammates all trying to adjust to him because the Pacers have been really pretty good without Victor this year, and he's here to make them better. But by making them better personally, he doesn't need to take on such a heavy load with the team they have built around him. Yeah, this season so far with him coming back, he's only seven points a game to go with three assists. And the game come to him as the season goes on. Back up that high where he's averaging closer to 20 points per game for the Pacers. Yeah, I don't even know if he'll ever get back to that this year. It'll be tough. I, I think, honestly, for me personally as a Pacers fan, if you're watching this team and you see how good of a score T.J. Warren has been all year. You see how dominant Sabonis has been this year and the way Malcolm Brogdon has played at moments and Miles Turner, the same thing. You don't need Victor to score 20 points a game. Sure, if that's what he gets uh, to that point sometime next year, that's great. But at the end of the day, I mean, Victor just needs to be comfortable in his role. And I think if you can have a balance of all these guys scoring 16 to 20 points a game together and they all can average around that, you know, Obviously, Warren, Sabonis, Brogdon, Oladipo are probably going to get a little bit higher on the points per game than Miles just because they're getting more attempts. But I think if you can have a balanced scoring, that's the best formula for this Pacers team to have success because we've seen it. When they have a guy be such a dominant scorer uh, and the other guys on the team don't really fill their uh, fill their stat line up with good numbers, the team doesn't win. But when they're all balanced, you know, having that – even balanced roster is really the key to success for this Pacers team. Here's a guy averaging nearly 17 points per game in the season. His assist totals are way up. He's a 90% free throw shooter. This is his contribution to the Indiana Pacers because he's a guy who one piece left he been for this Pacers Yeah, so Brogdon has had some ups and downs this year, and during that losing streak, Brogdon was pretty bad. Uh, shooting the ball, he's gone down at least 10%, uh, 
from the three-point line uh, shooting-wise this year from last year. And I think that we all kind of expected a little bit of a dip, maybe not as drastic as this one. But, you know, the Bucks had Giannis running the point guard where Brogdon was playing off ball, and now the Pacers run everything pretty much through Brogdon when he's out on the court. So I think I think Brogdon has done a good job and has been really pivotal to the Pacers' success, even though his numbers have gone down a little bit. We've seen him in big moments and big shots. And it feels like my co-host Mike Focci says this a lot on our podcast. He he says that Brogdon always saves his best for last. And, and there's some games where he enters the fourth quarter with like six to eight points and maybe, you know, ten assists. But by the end of that fourth quarter, he's got his 17 points, like you mentioned, with his averages just because he just hits big shots when they matter the most. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Brogdon. He doesn't have to score throughout the game. It's just kind of – when the opportunity's there. Now, he does score sometimes, and that, that happens, I think, especially when he was going through a little bit of a shooting slump, trying to figure out, you know, if he could find a shot. But he's had injuries all year long, and I think they can pile up and add on. You know, he's had uh, that, the finger injury. He's had a bad back, you know. So we know he's had feet problems previously with Milwaukee. So it's just one of those things you know he's going to be injury-prone. But I do expect, maybe not for the rest of this season, but maybe next year, you will see an improved increase in his shooting percentages because getting a guy like Victor back who can handle the ball, Jeremy Lamb, T.J. Warren, they're not really guys you can run the offense through as far as you know playing a little bit of point guard with Brogdon, but I, I think Brogdon playing off ball a little bit with Oladipo could open up some more opportunities for him shooting-wise. with him stepping up and playing so well, uh, is this something that we can expect to see more of out of him, or do you think they're going to want to get some more action with Miles Turner going? Um, what's the what's – the, basically, what do you think? Is this the ceiling for DeMontis Sabonis, or can he keep growing and getting better? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a good question because we've seen Sabonis over the last couple of years continue to improve and improve and improve. And with this increased workload, I mean, he's averaging the most minutes of the team. There's no doubt about it. And Turner's actually at a career low for his minutes per game. And I think one of the things is the Pacers need Miles Turner to win a playoff series, period. And as great as Sabonis is and as, you know, deserving of an all-star that he is, the Pacers don't win playoff series without the defensive rim protection of Miles Turner. Now, with that being said, you know, they don't win either without the offensive production of my, uh, with, uh, with DeMontis Sabonis. So the Pacers run their offense through Sabonis because he's so good at what he does. An amazing screen setter on and off the ball, fantastic passer, finishes through contract, uh, contact, not contract, excuse me, and, and he, can, he can hit those mid-range jumpers. Now, the biggest flaw in his game is his defensive rim protection and his three-point shooting, two things that he is not great at. And if you're looking at a modern-day NBA center, you know, they excel usually at least one of those two things, if not both. So you look at a guy like Turner and you think, man, he really needs to be getting more touches. But I think what we've seen over the last week, you know, the Pacers didn't win all their games, but against Milwaukee, against Brooklyn when they lost by one, what you saw from Turner was more aggressiveness. And I think the Pacers 
can continue to use Miles in the role they're using him, but he has got to provide more of an energetic spark for that team, whether it's on the defensive end or the offensive end. You know, he can't just be a stretch four that doesn't leave the three-point line. He's got to get in the post when he's got a mismatch on defense. He's got to be assertive of attacking the basket when he has a mismatch where he can take a guy off the dribble. And then defensively, he just has to continue protecting the rim and being aggressive going after rebounds. So Sabonis has been fantastic. I don't think this is his ceiling. I think he's only going to get better. It would not shock me if by next year or the year after that, he gets a 35% three-point shot from behind the arc at a, at a good rate. I think he's going to continue to work on that. Defensively, he's not horrible. He's just not a great rim protector. So I don't know if that's ever going to come. But he does a good job of staying in front of his guy. He just has to get better of, you know, not getting uh, switched on to guards and getting himself into foul trouble because we've seen that with Sabonis throughout his whole career, getting into foul trouble. So, you know, honestly, I think Turner's used in the right role right now with his spot on this team. But ultimately, I think if they can stagger their minutes continually like they have and allow Turner to get some run at the five without Sabonis on offense, I think that's best for the whole entire team. But at the end of the day, I, I love both these guys, and I think they you know, mean a lot to the Pacers' success because we've seen when Turner or Sabonis is hurt, having a guy like Goga Bataze backing him up, who's a rookie, <laughs> he's just not ready, and they really miss uh, when those two guys are off the court. You bring up Miles Turner here, talked about him at length. Let me ask you this. There's been some rumors Miles Turner could possibly be seeking a new destination. I know you brought it up on Twitter, and you always ask some great questions on Twitter. So I encourage people to follow you. We'll get your plugs uh, before you leave. But Miles Turner, going elsewhere, I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, so we had uh, on our podcast last week Jay Michael from the Indy Star, who does an excellent job, so I want to give him a shout-out here. But he said that you know a lot of teams around the league – believe that Miles Turner is the guy that's going to be, you know, the one dealt. And so I agree with him. I, I really don't see how the Pacers can trade Sabonis this offseason after just, you know, getting his first all-star appearance. And one of the things J. Michael said is, you know, that's a bad PR thing. If you, you know, for the Pacers who don't get a lot of love publicly and nationally, you know, trading your all-star basically would just really not sit well with the fans. But you got a guy like Turner who's not putting up great numbers, and a lot of fans are divided on how much they love him and how much they hate him. So, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I think Miles has probably reached more of his ceiling, especially with this Pacers team and how they're ran, because I don't see McMillan going anywhere anytime soon, and I don't think Turner can be him, him his full self uh, and reach his full potential under a guy like McMillan. However... Uh, Jay Michael also mentioned that Miles loves Indiana. He wants to be here. He has not requested a trade, and that that is really just GMs speculating the Pacers having three centers that they will eventually move on from Sabonis and or Turner, and uh, Turner seems to be the likely candidate that will get moved. So I think they'll explore options in the offseason, see if there's a trade out there they like. But I don't think, you know, with him being under contract for the next three years, I don't really believe the Pacers – are going to just move him to make a move. I think if the playoffs, uh, you know, if they flake out in the playoffs and and lose in the first round and you notice that the center problem is a problem, uh, I I think they could make a a really strong case for looking at potential trade suitors for Miles Turner. 
But I also threw this question out to Jay Michael. I don't think they'll do it. But, you know, with Sabonis' value being so high, do you look at trading Sabonis and hopefully getting something more in return? I personally wouldn't do that because I'm a big Sabonis guy. I love what he does and what he brings. But it, it makes sense uh, if you're trying to get something in a great return because with Miles' you know, diminished role, I'm not sure if the Pacers are going to be happy with the return they get in a trade. I mean, it's it's tough to speculate there. I know there's been some rumblings of it, but, again, the Pacers kind of hold all the cards. They don't have to make a move unless they want to. That's the the good thing for Indiana. Um, let's look yeah. at, you know, we were talking about playoffs and um, earlier in the standings. They're the sixth seed right now. Would the Pacers like to move up to five and potentially play the Miami Heat? Of course, they could – they could move up. They're not far behind. They could move up as far as two or three, honestly, depending on how things go. But let's just say we're getting towards the end of the season. Do they? Would they rather have a, the five seed or the six seed? Because at five, they would play the Miami Heat. And I got some questions about that here in a second. Uh, at, four, at six, they would play the Boston Celtics right now. Who's the better matchup for the Pacers? Yeah. Yeah, so as far as seeding goes, I think that – if you're the Pacers, I think avoiding Milwaukee till the Eastern Conference Finals, if possible, is the best way to go. So I don't I don't want the fifth seed at all. They've been in fifth the last couple of years, and look what has gotten them first-round exits. Um, basically, if you're looking at four, five, and six as far as seeding goes, fourth makes the most sense of what you want to get because that gives you a home court advantage in the first round. But if you're going to be on the road, you know, really the top – the top six teams in the East, besides Milwaukee, I feel like Toronto, Boston, in, uh, Indiana, Miami, and, and Philadelphia. I mean, the Pacers have competed with all of them, beaten all of them except Miami. So, and they almost beat Miami on the road. So, it's one of those things where I fully expect the Pacers just to try to get their chemistry right. And, and as far as seeding goes, I would rather have six than five. And as far as matchup goes. I don't love the Miami Heat matchup with the Pacers. I just don't know what about it. The Pacers have a hard time guarding the three-point line, and, and I think that Milwaukee's – or not Milwaukee's, Miami's bigs uh, can cause some problems for both Turner and Sabonis. But I think Boston, they're a little bit different because they're all small, and their biggest guy is Daniel Tice, who's like six foot eight playing center. Well, the Pacers have two big guys in Turner and Sabonis, and I think – it's going to be hard for Boston to really guard those guys. We've seen them have problems with, like, Philadelphia. And so I think that's why the Pacers are just a little bit uh, – a bit of a – they're so different compared to Boston that I think it would be a fun matchup. I think it would go seven games. I don't know who would win because Boston's got some really good young players on their team and Kimball Walker who has been fantastic this year. So it really matchup-wise, I think Boston makes the most sense for – them having an advantage against them. The Miami matchup makes me a little nervous, but at the end of the day, I think they could still compete with them. I don't know if they'd win in the series, though. That Miami matchup intrigues me just because of what we saw with uh, Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren earlier in the <laughs> season. And uh, I'm going to preface oh, yeah. this. Co- I'm going to preface the- them getting into it by saying Jimmy Butler is an asshole. Um, and I don't <laughs> like him. I never have. And I, and I never will. As a Minnesota yeah. Timberwolves fan, he can kiss my ass. Um, on the other <laughs> hand, I mean, I'm not denying how good of a player he is, but that's my feelings towards him, and my listeners know that. Um, what do you think about that 
whole incident with T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler. What's your thoughts on that, and how does that kind of shape up what's going to happen later in the season? Yeah, so first and foremost, that whole thing was just kind of blown out of proportion as far as Jimmy Butler goes. But if you watch T.J. Warren, he's a pretty mild player. He don't say much. He doesn't talk trash. He just plays his game. So it was really nice as a Pacer fan to see T.J. Warren kind of defend himself and get back in the face of Jimmy Butler. And as far as our Setting the Pace uh, podcast page on Twitter, anytime we post any video or anything about Jimmy Butler versus T.J. Warren, uh, it gets so much uh, positive uh, clicks on it that it, it really has just done wonders for us as far as growing our audience. So I appreciate Jimmy Butler for doing that because he only helped Setting the Pace podcast <laughs> get some numbers here with uh, their little T.J. Warren. But, uh, yeah, T.J. Warren – he lipped some uh, very inappropriate things that I cannot say on air, but it was pretty funny to watch. I mean, the Pacers were down like 20 points at that point. So why Jimmy Butler got so upset, you know, was kind of stupid in the long run. But anyway, I, I thought it was fun. I'm looking forward to the next matchup, March 20th at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. We saw TJ, uh, Jimmy Butler actually circle that and post it and run his mouth. But you, you saw the difference. You know, you, you mentioned it. Uh, Jimmy Butler can be kind of a pain in the butt. And he goes on and makes this big deal and talks about how great he is and how, you know, Warren's not even in his league. But if you look at their numbers, yeah, uh, Butler's obviously been better than Warren all year. But at the same time, Warren's been no scrub this year. He's been really great in Indiana and a big part of the reason they've had such great success. And honestly, T.J. Warren doesn't even say anything after the game. He waits till practice the next day and just goes, yeah, it was just two guys in the heat of the moment. No big deal. Doesn't even really comment on it. And that's just the kind of guy that the Indiana Pacers want. And Miami wants the kind of guy that Jimmy Butler is. So that's just the difference in the two franchises. So, you know, Pacers want clean-cut guys that are, you know, all about doing the right thing and being politically correct. And, you know, Miami likes guys that are a little bit off, off, off the wall. So, I don't like Jimmy Butler either, and I'm hoping that T.J. Warren uh, goes out there and guards him and they have a good game and we don't have a scuffle, but we do get to see some back and forth, and I think it'd be fun. If T.J. Warren punches Jimmy Butler and knocks him out, I will be on NBA.com buying the T.J. Warren jersey as quick as I can. <laughs> I can't, I can't um, foresee that happening, my man. I don't I don't envision T.J. Warren ever I don't either. somebody, but hey. I don't either, but I'm just saying if it happens, um, I'm just putting it out there that I will be online ordering a TJ Warren jersey and having it shipped to my house as swiftly as I can. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's let's look here a little bit at the Pacers and what you're kind of looking forward to towards the end of this season. Uh, clearly, they're one of the top six elite East teams that's kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. How do you see them finishing up this season? What do they need to work on? Um, what do you think they've pretty much got figured out? What do you see the Pacers doing to finish out this season? So they have 27 games left. And, you know, I think trying to get close to 50 wins, we talked about it on our podcast, they'd have to go 18-9 and nine in their last 27 games to get to 50 wins. And I think that's doable with their schedule. Now, some of the problems they've had – has been defensive communication. That's one thing I've been hammering on the podcast. I'm sure listeners are probably getting tired of hearing me say it, but it just feels like guys are constantly out of a place on defense, not really talking, not rotating correctly, and, and just miscommunication has led to big shots. I mean, 
the Raptors came back and beat the Pacers a couple of weeks ago just because the Pacers didn't know how to close out the game. And I think, you know, they don't have – with Victor just coming back, they don't have that go-to guy uh, to close out games for them. So they kind of have to win collectively as a team. And personally, I just feel like they have to do a much better job on the on the defensive glass because a lot of teams have been out-rebounding the Pacers, number one, but number two, on the offensive glass, they've been completely out-rebounded. And so you can't allow, you know, guys to get opportunities. Like if you allow teams to continue to get extra possessions, that's not good basketball, and you're giving them more opportunities to beat you. So uh, a lot of that comes not from our bigs. We usually look at Sabonis' numbers. He's got great rebounds. Turner, you know, he'll – have six or seven a game, and everyone's like, oh, Turner needs to be a better rebounder. Yeah, that's probably a little true. Maybe he could be a little bit more assertive. But you look at our guards, they're not boxing out their shooters when the ball goes up, and then they're getting long rebounds. And that's not on the on the two big guys' fault or on their shoulders. I mean, that should be on the guards. They just run to the paint or leave their guy open, don't block out. And I, I think the rebounding issues have been horrific. But, yeah, I just – honestly, they just got to keep their turnovers down. It's a basic stat. And, and rebounding, I mean – we have seen this team play so well when they get the ball moving. And the the biggest problem with the Pacers' offense is they don't shoot enough threes and they don't get to the free throw line. And that's one thing I've been really frustrated with. We don't have a lot of guards that get into the teeth of the defense and try to create fouls. You, you look at a guy like Sabonis, now he'll get hacked quite a bit. I mean, he got fouled twice in the All-Star game in the little, the little time that he actually played. So, you know, you just need guys to be more aggressive. We saw Brogdon and Oladipo more aggressive in that game against Milwaukee. But you look at a guy like Kyle Lowry, you look at a guy like Fred Van Vliet, when they were playing the Pacers two games last week, uh, they were just getting into our big guys when they would attack. And it puts the defense in a bad position, and they get good looks, whether they get and ones, they get better looks at layups, or they get fouled, you know. You got a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who's six foot six and two hundred and thirty pounds. You need to use that body to your size. Don't try to shoot over guys. Get into them. And I think that's the biggest problem with the Pacers right now is, you know, they just need to pick it up a little bit. Uh, they looked before the All Star break like they were ready for that All Star break. So I'm hoping this time off uh, will just really get them, uh, you know, freshened up for the last part of the season. And with only 27 games left. That's plenty of time to gain that chemistry with Oladipo and, you know, hitting on all cylinders before they hit the playoffs. Absolutely. Well, Alex, we appreciate your time here on the show this week. It's always good having you back on Wide Men Can't Jump. Uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and uh, get especially on Twitter and everything you're doing, and that way we can get you some traffic over there. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a good time to talk basketball with you. and. Anytime we can, you know, talk bad about Jimmy Butler, I'm all for it. So, uh, don't get me with a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so as far as our podcast goes, our podcast is called Setting the Pace. We cover the Indiana Pacers, obviously. You can follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three, and then our website is called PacersTalk.net. We have about seven to eight writers now uh, contributing to the website, and they do a fantastic job with featured articles and pre- and post-game recaps and previews. So we really appreciate all their great work, and uh, I I really encourage you guys to check that out. We have an Instagram account called at Pacers Talk for our website. And then if you want to follow me for my bad basketball takes and, you know, want to get in an argument with me, you can follow me at AlexGoldenNBA. And uh, love to just, 
just talk about basketball and have good debates. And I don't take things too seriously as long as we keep it fun and uh, lighthearted. That's what I'm here for. Absolutely. Everybody go follow Alex on Twitter. He's a great follow. Always got good stuff up. And, man, I appreciate you coming on and talking some basketball with us, and I hope to have you back. Maybe uh, get close to playoffs. We'll have you back on, and we'll talk some more Indiana Pacers. (laughs) All right, man. Sounds good. Sounds good. Always great to hear from you, man. Be careful. All right, you too. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right, if you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meat is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. And we want to thank all of our great sponsors here on the show, Wide Men Can't Jump, Law Offices of Stephen P. New, Stay Classy Meat, Strip Cam Fun, and Atomic Comics Collectibles, LLC. And that'll do it for the show, man. Been a good time. Goes by quick. Two hours don't take long at all, does it, Tim? Oh, no. <laughs> We got Steve New Stick Classy Beats. Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> Good Lord. The Swedish chef, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. We got Steve and P. New. I'll work on that. I'll have some. <laughs> oh, I, I know you will. That's the scary Pigs part. Pigs in space. <laughs> I'm not playing it again. <laughs> but... No, I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's and you can... better in my head than it did in reality. Yes, as it normally does. Thanks again, everybody, for listening in. And uh, thanks, everybody, for following us. We're at Wide Jump on Twitter. Tim's at Tileman68. iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts. Just go look us up. We're at WideBendKingJump.com and more. Tweet, tweet, Tim. He dares you. I dare Um, you to tweet me. Yes, do it. Do it. But uh, we'll be back next week. More guests. Don't forget uh, Nick Elam from the Elam Ending will be here and more. We're looking forward to that. It should be be a fun time. Uh, Don't miss it. Tim, anything you got before we get out of here? Uh, You know what? Surprisingly enough. All right. Well, we'll get ready and head on out of here. Let's go ahead and get to the ending music. Uh, We'll get on. No, 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 no. That's not the ending music. August's iPod for romancing Whitney or whatever it is they do. And and, and congratulations to him, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And Ben Simmons can't shoot a three. No matter how hard he tries, he can't hit it. (laughs) I'm down at the sheets. It's closed. It's 3 a.m.
No, they're open all night, my friend. That's the glory of sheep. Oh well, well, now I know why. Now I know. uh, August. I'm sure his wife probably sings. My guy likes to eat all the time. (laughs) And on that note, we're going home. See you guys. Have a good Good one next week. (laughs) Good good night, Gracie. See you, Hoss. You hugger. Thanks for listening to this broadcast on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wide men can't jump for more exclusive content only available to our Patreon members. You can find this program and others like it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Just search wide men can't jump. Thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. StripCamFun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at Facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, and Stay Classy Meats, where you can check them out at StayClassyMeats.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Follow us on Twitter at WideJump, and be sure to keep up with all the content that's being posted there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Wide Men Radio Network.